I'd like to propose a toast. Hello and welcome to Before Brunch. I'm Megan Cassidy. And I'm Cassie Delaney. And we are your spontaneous weekend podcast. We go live on Saturday mornings at 7am and we like to talk about, that's your line, I can't do it we anymore, like I can't just, do the it's, intro It's anymore. because we're... Um, I need to rewrite it so that I know what I'm coming in with. Do you know what, I think it's just, it's important to acknowledge up here that we are, um, we are two people who enjoy bailing and... Just flakiness. We're just like you, so that's totally fine. Um, we go live, you'd said this, sometimes mm. on a Saturday, and we talk about the things that you're going to be talking to your pals about at brunch. We look at the things that have happened in pop culture, news, politics. Yes, during that's the, the week. bit I was supposed to say. Yeah. Social issues, arts, pop culture. All that good stuff. And we go a little bit deeper and ask, what does it really mean? What does it say about us? And therefore, what does it say about you? Too. Yeah, we use celebrity stories as a sort of springboard to talk about what is meaningful, what we value as a society, as a culture, how the celebrity story kind of maps onto the zeitgeist, I suppose. And a lot of the stories are international, so we kind of try and pull them back and give them some Irish context. Yeah, and looking at things and looking at the, um, looking at the, I suppose the 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 growth of things and the acceleration of things um, which we've done a lot when we were talking about Britney and um, it's something that's going to come up again now when we're talking about Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, we might be talking about Chrissy Teigen a little late. I feel like it happened last month. Yeah, she released her apology on the 14th of June. So basically what happened here is Chrissy Teigen, the kind of internet sweetheart, everybody loves her on Twitter. She's obviously, she's a model and she's a foodie and she's very funny on Twitter married to John Legend and um people people love her like I never really bought loved loved her Mm. um and what has happened is that some old tweets of Chrissy Teigen's emerged and she was a troll and she says that very much in her apology so one of the it kind of emerged because Courtney Stodden who in a couple of years ago was married to um like a 50 when she was 16 she was married to this 50 year old what was he uh oh i don't know he's some sort of a very rich businessman um and people at the time despite her being 16 doug hutchinson was who she was married to um and she was kind of this like sort of uh she you know they appeared in reality tv programs like couples therapy celebrity big brother um reality ex-wives uh and, and so like she was she became a sort of a scapegoat for this is a ridiculous world and she was really targeted online even though now retrospectively and this is kind of my issue is that everybody's saying oh now we can see that Courtney Stodden was abused and groomed by a much older man and mm. married like she was only 16 he was in his 50s 51 when they got married um and Courtney Stodden has been like yeah I was in a very vulnerable situation I was being manipulated and groomed and it was inappropriate but at the time a lot of people ripped the piss out of her and were like oh you're ridiculous but Chrissy Teigen took it a little bit further and she was like 
go kill yourself and um, yeah. my wildest fanc- fantasy is that you take a dirt nap like yeah horrendous that's it like some of the themes that I think are really interesting here in this Chrissy story is it kind of whips up all of the buzzwords that have become so ubiquitous in the last year around cancel culture um, what is deemed to be a quote-unquote acceptable target and Courtney Stodden in that era would have been deemed an acceptable target and now we need to look at what is an acceptable target what is not an acceptable target there's also gaslighting there um all of these kind of buzzwords and and things that are of this moment that can be there is our touch points for all of them within this Chrissy Teigen story yeah yeah so I think like if we take it right back to the origin of Chrissy Teigen she was a supermodel that was beloved because she was so good at Twitter, like good Mm. again, quote unquote, because Twitter has changed and what it's used for has changed and what's celebrated on Twitter has changed. And now it is very much the platform that is used as a vehicle for, you know, um, I think espousing like moral certainty, like that this is what's right and anything beyond that is wrong. Mm. So Twitter can be a very scary place. But when Chrissy started on Twitter, um, you know, ten more than 10 years ago, over a decade ago, as she continues, she really likes to say this was over a decade ago. Yeah. You were celebrated for being against the grain and it was very different for a supermodel to have a voice and a funny tone. And she was always snarky. Like it's total snark. She was she used really filthy language. And she chose targets and she still to this day, you know, one of her most famous moments is like when Donald Trump blocked her because she was tweeting Mm. um, aggressively about him. And it's just snark and filth and things that you don't expect supermodels to say. Yeah. But then as her career progressed and she becomes more and more successful and more well known and she's that meme and she's she's everywhere it becomes less acceptable to say whatever you want whenever you want which is something she has said herself and it's also like we need to recognize that everyone has a there's shadow and light when it comes to most comedians and Mm. she's a comedian and she is capable of taking that cutthroat tone and wit and and choosing the wrong target and going to a point that's really really disgusting and telling someone to kill themselves but it brings up questions of like, what is, what do we deem? There's an embedded suggestion that when someone's not perfect, that we expected them to be perfect in the first place. Yeah. That everyone is expected to be perfect until we uncover something from their past. Do you know what I mean? Without acknowledging that most people have darkness and light. Of course. And that's the thing that, 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 um, the there is what you said there about Twitter being the place where um it's kind of the definition of the moral high ground where like you can only be good or bad you mm. are um still in existence or you're cancelled and I've always had an issue with can- I don't I think there's I hate the, the kind of term cancel culture and all that kind of stuff I think that calling people out for bad behavior publicly is only appropriate when that person's job is to serve the public so calling out politicians or the way that Chrissy Teigen has criticized Trump and his administration fair enough yeah Trump's job is to lead 
was to lead the country and he wasn't doing a good job and he didn't represent the wants and the wishes of people. Um, so I think that, that that's kind of fair game, yeah. I guess. Calling out independent people because they've made mistakes, that's mm. not really the same. And yeah, I guess it's and, and calling out people for their art or calling out people for their opinions yeah. despite their art. I just, I find it all so fucking murky because... I do believe that people should be held accountable for when they are making hateful comments and are inciting hatred towards marginalized groups of people. So like calling people out for racist behavior, homophobic, transphobic behavior. Yes, absolutely. I support that. But I think that um, I think that calling people calling regular people out is like not giving any space for growth or improvement or learning. Yeah. And like everybody makes mistakes and the thing about cancel culture is that we now are beholden to a standard that nobody can maintain yeah like nobody can do it yeah or else it's like decentralizing and taking your kind of your your opinions and putting them places elsewhere like the way yeah. that like graeme linehan um uh, a couple of people katie katie What's her name? You're the awful one from Hopkins. Katie, Katie Hopkins. All these people have been banned from Twitter. Mm. And I was like, that doesn't really solve the problem. Yeah. They are banned from Twitter. They're being excluded from any sort of discourse. Twitter isn't the place for intellectual debate. It's mm. just like one side against the other. But the only thing that has ever changed hearts and minds is conversation. Yeah. So taking people out of the discourse and just like sort of siloing them over there mm. is only going to create further problems which we've seen because yeah. like the alt-right and a lot of Donald Trump's supporters were banned from platforms or deplatformed, and then they created other ones mm. and yes there's a lot of like the Amazon um, web services which are like the, the host for like a lot of sort of high traffic websites so especially forum websites or discussion websites like Twitter, like, you know, um, Facebook, Discord, all that kind of stuff. So they've come out and they will refuse to host any sort of platform that seems to be in support of this kind of alt-right, radicalized, hateful political game. Yeah. But like, they're going to be somewhere else. They're yeah. going to find the 8chan or the 4chan that will support them and they are still going to find each other because you gravitate towards people of the same opinions of you and now you're they're feeling more ostracized and that's adding fuel to the fire and it's just, it's creating a really, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. But then also, yeah. it's only a matter of time before everybody gets cancelled because we yeah. can't maintain this. I'm not defending Chrissy Teigen. I think what she has done, I think her comments are appalling but like canceling people altogether, I just don't. I See, don't, you're I identifying know. the ultimate paradox here, which is we need to be able to call people out in mm -hmm. order to have discussions that are two-sided and that are full discussions and that people can query things and ask questions and explore and grow. So we have to be able to call people out and we have to be able to call people with huge platforms out. And then we tread the line with pointing to an acceptable target versus an unacceptable target. Yeah. So we can say Donald Trump is an acceptable target because he was the president of the United States and he needs to be called out. And if there was ever a world where we couldn't call him out, that's obviously dystopia. But then you come to a place where in in seeking to call people out and, you know, speak truth to power, we silence anyone who might have any sort of question or, you know, confusion around the vaccine is a, a, an example at the moment mm -hmm. that you cannot express any doubt 
about the efficacy of the vaccine or you will be deplatformed. Yeah. And these are things that people have queries about and they're exploring and it's new and it's new territory and they want to ask questions, but because some of the loudest voices are problematic and everyone has rode in behind, you know, those voices, those anti-vaxxers are problematic. It's, you know, cancel culture has been a part of human life and human existence for hundreds of years because it's how we show what we deem is right you Mm. are always punished for not conforming Uh, we have always done this like you know back to the caveman era if you don't conform you're ostracized and that's why our biological biggest fear is not to be to be outside of the group Mm. um it's it's something that's just so inherent in us but as you've pointed out we we can make huge mistakes and it is actually you know counterproductive to growth when it becomes that people are afraid to voice anything or you're looking back over what you said 12 years ago on twitter and that might be used against you now like there's a story um shirley sherrod was a she was i don't know her title but she was a member of the u.s government and someone had edited a video of her to make it sound like she was making racist comments. It was just a bad edit. Yeah. She was fired on the spot by her superior. She was driving that day, told to pull in and send in her resignation on her Blackberry, which she did. And later, when the full video was played in context, she was actually speaking out against racist behavior and it the context was everything mm-hmm. and her superior had to give her a huge apology but she never she had been she had resigned and she never reached the same height again no. whereas he went on to to succeed and you know he was appointed he got some huge role in the USDA later and that to me is that was the early no early 2010 or so that's an example of you know cancel culture gone crazy where we're we are acting spontaneously and actually really damaging people and hampering progression. Mm. But then how do we deal with the Chrissy Teigen story where she is a genuine bully? Yeah, she was. You know, so, and and is it a case that when you have a platform and when you monetize that platform and you actively encourage your platform and you use your influence that you should then be liable to be cancelled I don't know it's really hard to know because like with anything um you know with social media it's such a small fraction of who we are and there's actually a very good um statement in Chrissy Teigen's apology where she says you know we were all better than our worst moments yeah but like Twitter is only your worst moments a lot of the time yeah so it's really really hard I think that the, the the whole cancel culture thing is so counterintuitive and counterproductive to to proper discourse in society because mm. it's not that people are afraid to say something, but it's it's just that it's not giving people a a, a chance to have a conversation because mm. it's one side versus the other and you're being held accountable to things that you said. 10 years ago, five years ago, even last week. And it's like, okay, yeah, but I'm also a person who learns every day, who grows, who had opinions when I was younger that aren't my opinions now because my life experiences have exposed me to nuance and other people's and I've become more empathetic than I was when I was a teenager obviously yeah and now I understand the world better and I realize that in hindsight what I thought when I was 15 is not accurate and nor does it nor does it reflect in any way how I feel now yeah I think that like 
I'm particularly passionate about the idea of cancel culture and not being held accountable to things that we believe to be true when we were younger, because that in its essence, letting go of limiting beliefs is the essence of human growth and therapy and changing your thinking and changing your mindset and being allowed to be exposed to other things and being allowed to learn and change your opinion. You can change your opinion. You can literally learn something from somebody else in the course of a conversation and be brought around to a different opinion and that is how conversation works that is just Uh, how conversation is supposed to happen and it's something we understand about ourselves and our friends and our families and in private situations we understand that and we have lenience for it and like you know certainly at home like I've asked Aiden questions that I would never publicly ask anyone because it would be seen as ignorant or whatever um, we understand it about people in real life, but we have this expectation that the people that we've given platforms to are perfect and 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 they have no past or background or queries or like some of the things that, you know, Jimmy Fallon was cancelled because he was videoed in blackface 10 years yeah. ago. But when you look at the context around his growth journey and him being able to say, yeah, that was so ignorant my boss asked me to do he you know he was reporting yeah. to a boss he was there's a whole system that is in play when a person makes a mistake like that so there is an element of kind of spreading the like yeah. looking at the whole picture before we absolutely cancel someone but there was an article in Forbes only this week about cancel culture and it's an interest it's interesting because it's the other perspective it's like well, you know, marginalized people and disenfranchised people have always had cancel culture, but they call it consequences. Like they don't get two chances. Yeah. You know, historically, if a black woman makes a mistake in the workplace, she's treated with far more severe consequences than a privileged white person. Yeah. So is cancel culture just the privileged white person's kind of come up and now that this is the consequences that marginalized people have and minorities faced. have always faced. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, we don't get a second chance. And is it that, is that maybe is and fair? Like, you have to look at the world as well and be like, do we really need to platform more very wealthy, privileged white people and yeah. then give out when they're being cancelled? And do we really need the homogeny of their opinions all the time? No, we obviously don't. But I also think that we can't be in this. We can't, you know, be a hyper-connected world but not be having conversations. Yeah. Like, oh, And the, the res- I think the issue when it comes to cancel culture is that intent is a really important thing here Mm. and I mean that's that's easy for us to say I don't think like I'm not a particularly vocal person on social media um unless I have a very funny joke but um I I don't have a fear of being cancelled because I also know that no I don't and I because I don't think that I've ever publicly said anything but I have I suppose there's things we have written in the past in workplaces that maybe I don't stand over now there and that there's some like poorly ill thought out opinion pieces and stuff like that but yeah at the time I was working to the best of my ability yeah and I think that the intent here is is important to remember but obviously the people who follow me don't know what my intent is the people who followed Chrissy Teigen don't know what her intent is Mm. so like we don't have that space in 140 characters or whatever it is to get your tone and your intent and all that kind of stuff across Mm. But I am assured knowing that like I have never purposefully incited hate against somebody like except for Donald Trump. I have had some pretty cheap tweets about Donald Trump, (laughs) but like I'm not that person. So in some ways I find it difficult that Chrissy Teigen is espousing this kind of like 
amazing personal growth that she's made over the last couple of years because she there there's a lot of hate in those messages yeah there like, is regardless of the situation we're in and regardless of like what we think of people and right and wrong and all that kind of stuff I would still never instruct somebody to go kill themselves or I would never say to somebody my wildest fantasy is that you would die because that has like that has violence and hatred in it yeah and that feels like something that's kind of integral in a personality like that's not in you to say that and I don't believe it's in me to ever say that and there were other tweets about Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay had um you know, admitted that she suffered from self-harm and Chrissy Teigen encouraged her to self-harm further and like really nasty things that I don't feel are in me. But it's interesting when you say like you're not afraid of cancel culture and I'm not currently afraid of cancel culture, culture, but it's like a cloud over if I ever was to become really successful, then it becomes a big fear for me. It's like when you step into the realm of being hyper progressive or you you Mm. say this is who I am I'm progressive or I'm a feminist or you give yourself a label like that that that's when you're a real target for cancellation because the minute you say I'm this they want to find out why you're not or there's evidence to the counter that will yeah and they'll find they will find things in your past yeah proof but it doesn't it it's like I didn't come out of the womb being a feminist like yeah I had to learn those things I had to learn history I feel a lot of empathy towards marginalized people but you have to go away and do the work and you learn about history and why things are appropriate and why things aren't and that's why it comes back to I suppose a little bit to intent as well it's that like if you go into something with you're kind of going in with like your hands held high sometimes I think and I think really important it's to say you know I don't know everything yeah I'm here to learn yeah and I want to support you and I want to support marginalized communities and I want to make your experience of the world better and I understand that as a white person I priv I have privilege and I benefit from even if I don't agree with it, mm. I benefit from the way that society has been constructed and I continue yeah. to and I will continue to for a really long time until yeah. things change. Mm. But we can acknowledge all of those things and still make mistakes. Yeah, that's it. And it's like it's it's unfair because it's the people that actually do try and say, right, I'm going to try and do something progressive here that are, you know, punished more so than people who've never come out and said I'm a feminist or like we talk about Jeff Bezos and how terrible Amazon is and whatever but girl bosses the word that's no longer allowed to be used which is fair because obviously it's synonymous with really bad behavior but female CEOs are always kind of you know judged in a harsher way like Ellen DeGeneres is an example of someone who's been cancelled and probably did herself no disservice by really pushing the brand of kindness and Mm. you know I'm extra kind I'm extra progressive I've never put a foot wrong so then when people do say oh actually she was kind of nasty or she said someone needed to have chewing gum it's like a pylon yeah but the irony there is like we've we've kind of built our moral compasses on these people like the Ellen DeGeneres and the Chrissy Teigen's who we see as super progressive yeah and we kind of form our own moral compass based on their behavior and then when that's just uncovered as you know they have two sides we cancel them out but it's like who are we yeah emulating then 
It is a classic like people in greenhouses shouldn't throw stones. Yeah. Because like what like there's what skeletons are in our closets and I'm sure there are loads like there's a there's I I'm so thankful that we didn't grow up with the internet in the same way that teenagers do today. Yeah. Because the stuff that I believed when I was a 15 year old born again Christian mm. is the antithesis of what I believe and what I advocate for now. But also, you know, it's kind of this this high moral compass that we have or this like the incredibly high standard doesn't leave room for anything else. And it's making martyrs out of people. Like if yeah. you're an advocate or you're a feminist or you're, you know, whatever it is that you choose to do, you're expected to be that and only that all of the time. Yeah. And when it slips, there's no room for forgiveness. Yeah. And you're reminding me like this week, there was a big uncover about, you know, Great Jones, the American brand, they do like homeware appliances yeah, yeah. and like blueberry fucking hot desk, hot fucking cookers. Um, and it's a female led business, female founded. And, you know, being a female led business business is part of the brand. And this week, you know, they had a lot of staff walk out because apparently the culture is just like anywhere else. Mm -hmm. It's it's capitalism. But the theme behind the story is it's a female CEO and she didn't move us forward and and she wasn't kind. And it's like it's kind of held to a different yardstick or something yeah oh my god we are beholden to a completely different standard yeah but, but beholden to a different standard but expected to operate within the confines of everything that's already of existing. capitalism of capitalism and every benchmark is made by the male standard yeah because it's only it's only in the last i'm going to say in the last 10 15 years that we have seen very strong female teams there was i mean this this week right it was all over the papers and this incredible story that um, a company, um, Dee Coakley, who's the founder of, um, oh, what's her business? Dee Coakley is the founder of Boundless. Um, and they got funding, which is like an everyday occurrence in Ireland. Funding is flying left, right and center. Um, but this story was like pushed center forward because it is, one of the only startups worldwide to have a female CEO and CTO duo. Like yeah. to have two fem two women at the, the, the realm. They're like, isn't this madness? Isn't mm. this wild? And even with the and open platform that Kira Flood is um is leading, that again got an extent like an extensive amount of, of coverage because it's like, ah, yeah. a woman is it? Yeah. A woman at the forefront. But yeah. like you have to be like you still have to file the same paperwork. You still have to have the same lean team. You still have to have a balance sheet that makes sense. And mm. you can still be, you can still be kind and compassionate, but have to follow all the, these things. Yeah. And the the thing about running businesses like that, where they're lean or they're going through VC rounds or stuff like that, is it's fucking ruthless. Like, yeah. And it has to be because you have to have clean sheets to get the money to keep going and keep growing. And I know that you can build and you have to build kindness and compassion and flexibility into your culture from day one. I think culture is obviously more than just kind of term sheets and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it's incredibly hard to have a company where the staff churn can be quite high because that's the nature of a startup. Yeah. Where there's times where the money isn't in the bank, where the stress is really high because it's it's in a, like, you know, a, 
an unmarked path generally all the time and to still be expected to be kind every fucking yeah. day yeah like you obviously when you're kind you're kind but mm. you can have a bad day and still you know I actually I saw this little meme the other day and it was like you can be kind so and generous and thoughtful and considerate and still tell someone to fuck off. That's it. And the minute we see a female CEO, the minute she arrives in the seat, we disregard her history. We disregard how she got there. She came up through the same system as everyone else, which is a capitalist system. And by saying, okay, there's a female CEO, so this is going to be different and it's going to be progressive and it's going to be X, Y, Z. The embedded suggestion is that patriarchy is a choice and that she can either choose patriarchy or she can choose progression and the fact is that patriarchy is not a choice and these female CEOs sit in and they have to use the master's tools like they are part of a system they have balance sheets as you said they have profit and loss but there's an idea that if you make feminism part of your brand that you're almost co-opting feminism for profit that you're using feminism for profit whereas we have to zoom out look at the big picture and the context again and say okay like Yes, great. It's a female CEO. Let's hold her to the same standards as everyone else and acknowledge that she's still part of a system that she cannot single-handedly dismantle. Yeah. Like we all have to dismantle that system and she's not co-opting feminism for profit. If, like, you know, the f- female virtues are what are deemed to be female virtues of kind of kindness and empathy. And they're fantastic virtues that everyone should have, male and female. Everyone has male and female in them. Yeah. So let's celebrate, you know, a male, let's celebrate a male CEO who is, you know, really wielding his female power as yeah, well. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it, it is interesting. And maybe it's because female CEOs and stuff are so in the minority that we, are re- like there's a real microscope on top of them like they're re- they are examined they're holding to a different standard and it's really difficult um but i think that you know it's so i didn't what it takes to break down that like what does it change what needs to happen that we can pave the way for for female ceos to like not only like go out there and be successful in whatever way they want but also to go out there and fail you yeah. know because it's like the story say like obviously the the thernos um story is is mad because it was built on lies and stuff like that but there was also like a giddiness and like here's the woman we put up on a pedestal and look it didn't work so we're not going to invest in med tech again with women and the nasty gal story where like she coined i can't think of her name but she coined the girl boss yeah term and then turned out to be a corporate bully these women of course they can end up being bullies because they are obviously ruthless they've arrived at the top in a ruthless system yeah so they're going to have an element of that and let's wait until they prove themselves not to have it but again it's that idea that she's a female she must be perfect and this is going Mm. to be yeah a perfect utopian and it's the classic it's the classic like how do you do it all how How do you you balance it all yeah how are you a boss and also a mom and a woman? And yeah. when do you get time to blow dry your hair? So we have these like Friday morning CEO breakfasts where it's a couple of different uh, founders who are involved in Dogpatch, which I can talk about publicly oh, now. Sorry, as well. don't, yeah, don't bother inviting me to the fucking no, CEO you will breakfast. Did I not just ask you to come and join the team? Say I'd give you whatever equity stakes you wanted. <laughs> Please join business. Okay, that's all very nice, but I have not been invited to the breakfast. Okay, you can come along to the CEO breakfast, right? Yeah. And we talk about 
about um, time management mm. when you're like, you, you know, when you're uh, running a business or whatever. And it was actually really refreshing for a lot of the kind of male CEOs to come forward and be like, oh, I really struggle with time management. And like, I just can't get and I never get my stuff done and like yada, yada, yada. And I was like, there's this idea. And I think we push it too far with all these like profiling of people and profiling successful people and like the habits of successful people. And obviously like Atomic Habits is like a well-recommended book for to read if you're kind of a, a business leader or something. But the idea that like you have to get up at 5 a.m., you have to do this, you have to look perfect, you have to, in order to be disciplined, mm. like that that's a personality trait. It's just this like very binary sort of, idea of success it's so hustle culture it's so hustle it's like no I don't get up at 5 a.m I try and get up some mornings early and some mornings I don't and some some weekends I do work and some weekends I don't and like yeah that's fine but I'm still making progress every day like yeah. I'm still doing something every day to move the business or you know anything forward and that's fine like we don't yeah. have to have the blocked out timetable to be the thing like and maybe that's the whole maybe that is the issue with kind of to bring it back then to cancel culture is that we have such a binary idea of what people should be totally and we're ignoring nuance and growth yeah and learning and just mistakes and I always don't like really referencing this quote because it's, it's I think it's kind of religious but it's <laughs> it's um to err is human and to forgive is divine that, yeah like Everybody makes mistakes, but yeah. not everybody will forgive each other. Yeah. And like, it's like, that's the problem that if, if someone really comes forward and is, I suppose, maybe this is coming from my born again Christian days, but um, <laughs> if someone comes forward and they're really feeling remorse about the thing that they've done, mm. then forgiveness is the only way forward. Yeah, you know? that's it. You're reminding me of Rachel Hollis, who's a very well-known and very wealthy guru and really is a, a a mouthpiece for the get I get up at 4 a.m to get ahead of my day and but you then if you go to bed at too. six it doesn't count yeah like. that's it but she did a post where she said these are the women I aspire to and none of them are relatable and they were all you know insanely successful and she said if your idols are relatable then you're doing it wrong and in the process, like people really railed against her because she was sort of in the process, like dehumanizing anyone who's not extraordinary or yeah. anyone who might be, you know, a cleaner or might be, you know, working as a waitress and trying to be an actress and like all of these people that make up the fucking world around us that aren't all insanely overachieving women. And I think we we touched on it for women Women's Day last year or this year on like a celebration of all women not just successful women which yeah. is the go-to in the last few years like both of us are guilty of it when we were writing for publications it's like it's international women's day let's Here profile 10 to, yeah. hyper successful women and make everyone else feel shit yeah that's it and i think that like there's also it's it's just fitting into that binary thing I'm I'm really conscious of it a lot of the time and maybe without realizing because you, you can be seen to be doing something that other people I hate this like I'm sorry this is going to sound so ridiculous but people will say like I want to do like what you do mm. I want to like start a business I want to you know whatever it must be great and I'm like yeah it mm. is great it is fantastic working for yourself and you can tick all the boxes and you can get funding and you can be accepted into programs and you can like, you know, win awards and stuff like that. But like the everyday of it 
is overwhelming is so overwhelming and it wasn't until it really wasn't until this week I met someone who was congratulating me on on getting we just got funding for Outcaster and we are then working in the NDRC and it's really really going very well and someone's like god that's fucking brilliant like just go celebrate or whatever and I was like can't. you can't it's yeah. like that is just it's one little thing to get the stage you know to get the business to the next stage where it has to go to and it's really hard and honestly I think sometimes if five years ago I had looked at my life now and been presented with two options it was like go pursue this thing that is fun a lot of the time mm. but full of anxiety and uncertainty mm. or go get a mortgage and buy a cottage in the countryside I can't say hand on heart I would choose what you've chosen the road less traveled yeah because it's and also people never know the the inside of it you know maybe that's the problem as well with with kind of social media and all that kind of stuff is that we present such a a single faceted appearance of our lives that like here is success and then you assume you assume because you project I guess what you what you would believe to be true about that situation so you'd look at somebody who's in the nice house or in the nice car or on the nice holiday and you'd be like they have they must have loads of money yeah they must be really happy Mm. they must have everything in order they must get up at 5 a.m they must be really fit they must be and then you're then kind of consuming all of those must be's and i should be's and they become the things that you beat the stick that you beat yourself up with Mm. but like it blows my mind when someone says to me, you know, I'd like to do what you do. And I was like, I haven't slept properly in like three weeks. Yeah. I um, I I have like anxious tummy yeah. every day. Nervy belly. Nervy belly. Yeah. I'm like crippled with self-doubt and anxiety. I haven't got my 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 uh, balance sheets done for the last couple. I haven't done my VAT returns. Yeah. I sometimes lie awake figuring like thinking that I've accidentally broken the law. Yeah. Like it's funny. It's all it all comes back to how you define success and making sure that you are thinking independently and defining success for yourself so that yeah. you have net happiness. You are the most successful person I know or the most successful clo- person closest to me. You're also the person that probably suffers the most out of anyone I know. You suffer, you're busy, you're overwhelmed and you thrive on that. That's what you seek. You, you're you willing to suffer because you know that the sacrifice has Because we don't end. have tensions. Yeah, we're, we're, because we we're not doing the have, mortgage lifestyle. No, we're not. You're suffering for me too. You're a messiah of sorts. I'm, but, I'm doing it all you for know, you, Megan. But that is your success at the end of the day is a success is what is doing something that makes you proud. And you are mm. doing this and this is making you proud. And the suffering and the early mornings and the nonstop work and the overwhelm and the mundane admin tasks that you cannot get to are all part of that end goal and this thing that you're proud of. But for someone else that that that's not a goal of theirs, stop judging themselves against the Cassie yardstick and what Cassie is doing right now. Yeah. I have to do that. I can't look at you and compare myself. It's fucking but I guess it's terrifying. It's because, but people don't understand the nuance of it. And I'm yeah. saying, oh, like, woe is me. But like, you look at something all the time and especially when other people seem to achieve things. And if you don't understand them, if you don't have the backstory, you don't know that like that funding is already spent on... The, the death that's been occurred running a business yeah like, you know that that's all retrospective or that's like earmarked to do that or like they're still gonna lose sleep over here because it's not you know it's not what it appears to be yeah like 
it's very difficult and is the onus I can't go out there and I know we're probably oversharing on this podcast but I think this is I don't think that my investors are going to be listening to this but I think that like I can't go out there and say oh I'm crippled with anxiety because Mm -hmm. I'm doing this very risky thing and it may work out and it'll all be great and if it doesn't work out I'll walk into the sea obviously not (laughs) don't call the Samaritans but like if it doesn't walk out I'll be mortified and Mm. also that the only reason I've gotten to this stage is because for years I did things that didn't work. Yeah. Like I had before I worked with you, I had also tried to start a business that never took off. Um, that that one business, like it, the innovation in a business that's led to this business is because that business struggled a lot during COVID. Yeah. And like you, you don't see all those backstories all yeah. the time. And I can't go out there publicly and say that to people because I have to present the image of the confident, competent CEO yeah. who's going to take your money and spend it wisely and turn it into a billion euro. And there's the problem. You are part of a capitalist system. Exactly. So you feel like your experience right now is singular because no woman before you has honestly said this, that this is difficult and I'm overwhelmed and I have failed this morning and I'm going to fail tomorrow morning because they can't because as you said, my investor will lose confidence yeah. because that is just hustle culture and we are expected to be absolutely perfect. Financial institutions need to have total trust in you. You need to be a moral, exemplary person. So therefore, you feel like your situation is different to anyone who's gone before you and it can make you feel like more yeah. of a failure. Whereas everyone has, like, this is the truth of it and you're brave yeah. to even be saying it while crossing your fingers that your investors aren't listening. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think they're going to be. But like, also, I, I think that you, it's a lot, you have to also bear in mind, I know we've gone from cancel culture to female CEOs again, but like, it is all part of the idea that people are perfect. The people are perfect. And yeah. you have to, you have to constantly do this. And you just have to know that it's part of a, it's part of a wider picture all the time. Like yeah. it's part of a bigger puzzle. If you see something on social media that somebody's putting out, it's that peacocking thing that like generally if someone's posting something on social media, it's because they want a handful of people to see it and b- buy into the story that they're trying to sell. Um, and I am aware as well, very consciously all the time that in the kind of capitalist society that we operate in now, yes, it's a huge privilege to be a woman who's accessing funding and being able to build out this business with incredible support. But it's still only VC funding is still only maybe two, 2% of it less goes to women every year. Yeah. And like, I know that when I enter into dog patch or those accelerator programs or those meetings that I'm, I'm pushing myself to get to the standard that I think the men are at yeah. because that's just, that's just the patriarchy. Yeah. And then I'm, cognizant that I I'm cognizant of how I appear I'm cognizant of how I handle my emotions and my stress in ways that I don't think men have to consider and maybe I'm generalizing but it certainly is draining to have that added pressure and know that like my usual coping mechanisms for stress I I cry like but I can't do that down in an environment where I'm the one woman in you know Mm. there's okay there's three women in 11 businesses here three women in, in within the teams and like we're completely outnumbered and if I show any sign of weakness, that that will somehow, if I show emotion, that may undermine my intelligence. Yeah. And like when you break it down like that, ridiculous, obviously it doesn't. My cognizant, like my ability to solve a problem or build a piece of tech or market something is not informed by my emotions. Mm. But 
that's the fear and all because that's what we've seen in workplaces with women before is if a woman's emotional she's difficult Mm. if a woman is upset about something you know she's hysterical it's Mm. it's we're not given that space to 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 I suppose to really feel what we feel and operate in the ways that we have and then we're wasting so much energy and trying to fit into this binary that's set and it it, it's 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 the male benchmark it is and like that the male benchmark and how businesses work and how the world is funded and all that kind of stuff doesn't work for women because it wasn't designed for women because it it. was designed for men to work nine to five to come home to their dinners Mm -hmm. that their wives had prepared and the way we're trying to do it and fit everything in Mm. it just doesn't work and it but it also doesn't work for a lot of men now because that's not the way every family is that's not the way that people live their lives anymore but it's really it's really hard to kind of like be the only woman there yeah. in the group and being like thank you so much i like you know it's it's not it's not to say this doesn't work for me but there's a certain like consciousness of like i wouldn't be able to do this if i had kids yeah i wouldn't be able to do this if i had to to you know if i had all of the other pressures that women have and like sometimes i wonder am i making a conscious decision on some level to not pursue those things because I'm so passionate about this. Yeah. But then what does my life look like when I'm 40? I don't know. We've gone so deep here now. And but I'm you panicking. don't want to be too introspective. You're following your energy, which is all anyone yeah. can do. You are following where your energy is bringing you and your energy is bringing you towards this. And like trying to overthink or plan any further than that is just, I think, futile. But we, and without ending on like a Pollyanna note about this, when you said earlier, like, what can we do to get out of this situation where we're holding people to these perfect standards that aren't real what you're doing now is all we can do which is like be bravely honest despite that little fear of the consequences because that is all you can do is speak to it like speak what you're thinking and give other people then the space to also kind of voice their doubts but for you to worry about the consequences worry about the consequences because it is so unusual for this this path is really difficult for women to traverse and that is not that's not a generalization yeah that's a fair statement because we walk in and this I'm saying stuff here now that I will never say to my investors or the people I work with because Mm. I don't want to you know I don't want to shake it up I don't want to I don't want to run the risk of any doubt I don't want to create any doubt but it is fair to say that this path of building a company like this especially when you're when you're building a company that's backed by vcs is what i'm specifically talking about it's very hard for women to do it yeah and it's very it's it's just that's it it's just hard it's very hard for women to succeed in the world of business because things are the same and we're expected the same as they always have been and we're expected to to fit a standard that has been designed for men and it's just different we're just we're just different yeah and it is hard yeah that's okay yeah okay Cassie, I feel like you've had, you know, I feel like that was a therapy I feel like you're going to have a great weekend now. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, look, I hope you enjoyed your CEO breakfast this morning that you were probably texting me from, but just not letting me know. Well, it was very early. It was at 5 a.m. And I hope you enjoy your drinks later that, again, have just been loosely referred to, but that I haven't been. Oh, no, I have half four in the Bailey. Do come along. Yeah, we'll see. I've been. I say to you all the time, we'll go for a drink. I just don't go. You're just, you never do. (laughs) Oh, I don't. Ever. (laughs) I just like to be invited and then I can decide not to go. Okay, right. Well, Um, we booked it. We booked a chair for you. Perfect. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's all I need to know is that there will be an empty chair gorgeous um, okay thanks for listening we won't see you next week because Cassie is taking a little well it's not even a break but a before brunch hiatus yeah. and then we'll be back the following week gorgeous bye